Well, I don't know if it's a good thing or not if the pastor has no idea what I'm going to do. Um, I apologize to you, Brother Andy. Uh, you should know what's going to happen. And, and I apologize. Church, uh, thank you for sending Matt and I uh, to South Asia. Man, I, I learned a lot. You'll hear about a few of those things uh, coming up. So Paul and Barnabas are returning home from their first missionary journey, Right. And they're returning to Antioch, their base church, their home base. And they're sharing everything that God did, the amazing things that they saw while they were on mission. And along come some men from Judea. And these men from Judea throw a wrench into everything, claiming that you cannot be saved unless you're circumcised. Paul and Barnabas get into a vehemently strong debate with these men from Judea. And I can't really imagine what the scene was like, but it was enough that they calmed it down and said, okay, Paul, Barnabas, we're going to go and send you. We want to send you to Jerusalem because this is a matter that needs to be taken up with the apostles and the elders. And so Paul and Barnabas, I'm sure, are happy to go to help settle this question. And along the way, I mean, they're going from town to town, sharing with the brothers as they go down to Jerusalem, and they share everything that God was doing, and everybody is glad that God is doing what they're doing. But they make it to Jerusalem. They make it to maybe maybe 17 years after the resurrection of Christ. They're now in Jerusalem. They're in the church there. Uh, James is there. Peter is there. All the apostles are there. The elders are there. Paul and Barnabas share what, what God has done. And then some believers of the Pharisee party stand up and make their case, and they say, no, 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 no. We are here to say that Gentiles must be circumcised, and they're required to follow the law of Moses in order to be saved. This is the first crisis of faith in the church. Seventeen years into its life, Christianity comes to a headway. Does a Gentile, basically is the question, does a Gentile have to become a Jew in order to become a Christian? It's a very important question. So the apostles, the elders, they meet. There's a lot of discussion, and after a while, Peter finally decides to speak. And he says a lot of things. One thing he says is, hey, look, in my experience, God made a choice. God made a choice, and he chose the Gentiles to hear and believe. That's the first thing Peter says. Then he says... God demonstrated this by giving them the Holy Spirit. I saw it with my eyes. I experienced it. The Holy Spirit of God came down on the Gentiles. He said, God, when that happened, God removed the distinction between us and them. So Peter's on a roll here. Peter says, not only that, God cleansed their heart by their faith. You gotta remember, this is what what Peter saw, what Peter experienced. He said, how, how can this even be a question? How can this even be a question when we ourselves can't even uphold that yoke? Why would we place that same burden on the Gentiles? And he says this, he says, we believe that we will be saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus, as will the Gentiles. 
And when Peter says that, I can just see in that council room that there is an uproar and there is some, some discussion. And there's some people who like that statement and there's some people who dislike that statement. And they're talking and, and there's you can just hear the rumble of the crowd in the room and what's happening because that was a p- pretty controversial statement. We believe that we will be saved through the, uh, through the grace of Jesus Christ just as the Gentiles will be saved through his grace. So, Paul and Barnabas... Take their turn. The scripture in Acts 15, which is where we'll be, the scripture in Acts 15 does not tell us what they said, but it does say that when Paul and Barnabas began to speak, that the crowd became silent. So just in case you're not aware of how this actually played out, um, the council assembled and they decided that the Pharisaical believers, that they were wrong. Uh, they decided that uh, that was too much of a burden to place on the Gentiles. It didn't make any sense in light of uh, Peter's uh, experiences and Paul and Barnabas. And I'm sure that when they decided that the Gentiles did not be- need to become Jews, the Gentiles in the room sighed a great sigh of relief. That was the last thing they wanted to do. So we're going to take a look at the conclusion of this and how it plays out in Acts 15. We'll start in verse 13. So let's stand as we read together. So in Acts 15, verse 13 to 21, it says, After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with the words of the prophets, and with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, after this I will return, and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen, I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from what has been strangled, and from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. You may be seated. I want to tell you just real quickly what James does. So James... James speaks. James, the half-brother of Jesus. James, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. James, one of the pillars of the church, speaks. And he's the leader of this council. And he's heard people speak. He's heard the arguments. He's heard Peter's experiences. He heard Paul's and Barnabas' experiences And this is what he does. In verse 14, he simply summarizes what Peter said. Interestingly, he ignores Paul and Barnabas, but he goes to what Peter said. And then in verses 15 through 18, he skillfully takes Peter's experiences and supports it with Scripture. So he puts together the scripture when he quotes Amos 9, 11, and 12, and he takes the scripture and he takes the experiences and he brings them together and he makes a conclusion. And in verses 19 through 21, he brings the hammer down and he casts his judgment and the council agrees that no circumcision is needed for a Gentile, for a Gentile to become a Christian. 
The only thing that they ask is that they turn from the practices that are associated with pagan worship. So, I want to just real quickly, because we have a lot we're about to do, I want to focus on verse 14. There's four things here. First, who goes on mission? Verse 14 says, Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. Who goes on mission? God goes on mission. God goes first. God always goes first. And we follow. So whether we go to Taiwan, Kenya, Southeast Asia, South Asia, Seattle, Wisconsin, Moldova, God's already gone. God's already there. God's heartbeat is for those places. And we follow. So who goes on mission? God goes first. Then we follow. What is the focus of the mission? Well, I'm 100% convinced that God desires that the Jewish nation turn to him. But here in verse 14, we see that God expands it to the Gentiles. And you've heard this so many times. He uses the word ethnos. The Greek word ethnos, which we get our word ethnic, which we expand to people group. And so God plans uh, the focus of his mission to be the people groups of the earth, the ethnos. And in our case, today we're here to talk about the Sega. But as we reach globally, as we reach globally, that includes the Sega, but it also includes our next door neighbors. It includes our church plant. It includes our future church plants. It includes Belton. It includes that person who moved in next door to you three months ago. And I have a little mirror in front of my face here. So as we reach the people groups, it includes everyone. That's who the mission is. Well, what is the mission in verse 14? It says to take from them a people. Luke is very intentional in this usage of the word people. It's another Greek word. It's the word laos. Okay? And in Luke and Acts, in every case where this word is used, laos, up until this point, it has either been just a general use of the word people or it has referred to the people of Israel, the chosen people of Israel. Now, for the very first time, Luke or James, however you want to say it, associates the word laos with Gentiles. And believe it or not, that is a huge deal. So, what is the mission? The mission is that God wants a laos from the ethnos. God wants to choose a people from the people groups. All right? So, God has not only chosen Israel, now he's chosen from the whole world, from among all the people groups, from an ethnos to a laos. A people. And the fourth question, why the mission? Why is there a mission? To take from them a people for his name. For his glory. For God's name. For his renown. To make much of himself, which he has every right to do and which we should do as well. A few years ago, God laid it on the heart of this church to adopt a UUPG. 
an unreached and unengaged people group, and we call them the Sega. Mark and Matthew are going to come share, and I'll share as well my experiences of how God led us through that and what God has done. And I hope that you look forward to hearing the experiences of our church and of the Sega. So Mark is going to come now and share with us how God got it all started. And then after him, Matthew's going to come and share what God has done since. And then I'm going to share into the future. We'll see what happens. Well, it is indeed good to be back with you this morning. Um, The first stop that we made when we hit Belton was Shipley's Donuts. (laughs) So while while I was here for a pre-service prayer, my kids were munching down kolaches. And so it is indeed good to be back in Central Texas and enjoying some of the creature comforts of Texas. We're uh, hopefully won't go back 10 pounds heavier uh, when we go back to South Asia. But I do want to spend a little time rewinding of how we got here. How is it that First Baptist Belton is seeking that God is using our church here to make a name for himself among the Sega? I know there's a lot of new people here. So some of you may not have been back here back in 2012 when this first started. I want to specifically rewind to the date of October 2012. That's when we had the John 3.16 initiative. And that initiative was First Baptist Belton, at the recommendation of the Missions Committee, would spend the 16th of October, the 16th of November, and the 16th of December fasting and praying about a people group, an unreached, unengaged people group that we would adopt. And we spent those times in prayer. And that culminated in us adopting the SEGA in January at a vote of the church in January 2013. Now, let me rewind a little bit more. Why did we fast and pray for an unreached, unengaged people group? Well, churches had been challenged by a consortium of mission agencies and mission leaders and church leaders through an accountability session about how are we doing in reaching the world. uh, Jason already shared just about how God goes before us. Matthew 24, 14 talks about uh, Jesus conversing with his disciples And at the end of the age, the disciples, what will happen? The disciples ask him this question. When will you return? When will all these things happen? And Jesus replies to them in Matthew 24, 14, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And so they said, How are we doing on this? This consortium asked. And they analyzed and said, at the rate we are sending missionaries out currently, it's going to be another 50 years before the whole world really hears, before these unengaged, unreached groups really have access to the gospel where there's a church planted in their areas and has a viable church. And so they said, how is a way that we can perhaps see this process enhanced to join God at work on the field to see this enhanced, and their suggestion was churches adopt an unreached, unengaged people group to advocate for them 
and even become the mission's boots on the ground for them, working alongside the missionaries that are already there, but places they don't have time to get to because their fields are so big. Currently, I'm a city. I'm in a city of 10 million people. And I'm the only, we are the only family from our sending agency in that city of 10 million people. The work is vast. So you see the challenge we have. And so we were given a list of thousands of names of unreached, unengaged people groups, numbering anywhere from a few hundred people in that people group to some in the millions. And we asked the church to give us feedback about where possibly would God be leading us to engage this people group. Well, South Asia really wasn't on our radar because we didn't really know many people there, but we started to get feedback that this was the area we needed to focus on. Then we narrowed that focus to groups that were basically in the 100,000 population range. something the missions committee thought we would be able to engage. And then as we continued to hone in, uh, the SEGA were the group that we prayed about and the church gave us feedback on. And so those days of prayer and fasting in October, November, and December, that whole three months was a prayer emphasis, but we specifically asked the church to set aside those days, culminated in God giving us a vision to reach the Sega. And at that point in time, peoplegroups.org, Joshua Project, had no listed believers among the Sega. And so in May of that year of 2013, we went on our first vision trip. So Dan Kirkley, Colton White, and myself went on that first trip to try to even find where they were because the data we had didn't even show where they were located. So we went in really just in faith to see, God, where are you at work? And God led us to some people that were familiar with the Sega, and it turned out that we found some Sega believers, and we found out that when we asked them when they believed and started believing, that it was the time that First Baptist started praying about adopting an unreached, unengaged people group. So God goes before us, and God continues to work. We join God in that work. If we look back at Matthew twenty-four fourteen, it talks about we can either be about missioning with God, being with God on mission, are not being that. In First Baptist Belton back in 2013 when they voted to engage the Sega and be with God on mission, we are with you. We look forward to the second coming of Christ. Let me leave you with a second promise from Scripture that all of you are familiar with. But in, in Revelation 7, verse 9, and it says simply that I looked out And I saw a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, 
Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That is the promise and vision God has given us for the Sega, for God to make a name among them. And it has been my joy to labor there in South Asia to see that become a reality. And I'm so grateful for men like Matthew and Jason who are coming up along after me uh, to see that vision fulfilled. So I believe Matthew's going to share now. And uh, thank you. The text that Mark just read is truly a powerful one. It's worth pondering for just a moment. He says, Behold, I see a great multitude that no one could number. Stop and think about that for one moment. This is not a small gathering. It's a multitude that no one could number. People from every tribe, every nation, every language. So every single people group that God has created will be there in heaven. And what will they be doing? What will we be doing? Crying out with the loud voice. Not like some of us do Sunday morning. Where you kind of do this number. And aren't singing. No, when we're in heaven, there'll be none of that. It's with a loud voice singing to our God who alone is worthy. Salvation belongs to our God. He is on the throne. And everyone in heaven, angels, elders are all worshiping. The living creatures are worshiping. And this is our purpose right here. To fall on our faces before the throne and worship. This is your purpose. This is why there is breath in your lungs. This is why your heart is beating this very moment. This is why God gave you His image. Because He has a plan. This is the point of everything. This is the point of why God created This is a point of why Jesus came into this world. This is the point of the cross. This is the point of redemption. This is the point of your life. And God is at work right here and right now, resurrecting the dead and creating a people that it's really not just a creating, it's a recreating, a making new through the power of His Spirit, through this new birth, a people from every single tribe and nation, they will all be there in heaven worshiping Jesus as their greatest treasure. And God wants people from the Sega to be there. And these images that you've been looking at, it's not just random people. People that God made, that Jesus died for, that He has bought with His blood, who don't know their purpose. Don't know how worthy Jesus is that they were made for His glory and for His pleasure. And so it is on us to go. And yet we go with the promise that they will be there. That there will be Sega in heaven. I know this because it says it in the Bible. I know this because I've met them. I was there last summer. 
with two of our members, Lister and Justin, Justin, who is almost seven feet tall. If you can only imagine the spectacle that it was to take Justin into these villages and see the, the masses all coming around him, wanting to just be in awe of him, and yet this giant, Justin, pointing them to he who is truly worthy. And we're there with a Sega pastor and a Sega church meeting in a house. Did you hear that? A church made up of exclusively Sega in a Sega village. And if I'm very honest with you, we didn't do it. God did it. He's at work. We just get the privilege. We get the honor of being a part of what God is doing, living out our purpose. And I was with this gentleman who was pleading, come and train us, help us to reach more Sega for the praise of God's name. And we went and we're doing some training and and we're sharing the gospel and we saw eight people come to faith, all Sega. Which almost doubled the size of that church on that day. Which is amazing. So the question is not, is God at work? Because God is at work. We see in the word that this is going to happen. We see God already work accomplishing it. And so the question is not, is God at work? The question is, are we at work? The question is, will we be faithful? Will we value our comfort more? Will we value our bank accounts more? Or will we value the glory of Jesus being displayed among all nations and telling them there is a better hope, there is a better purpose, there is a better Savior, there is a better joy, there is so much more, and we settle for so little. And my heart just explodes with desire to resources that are far from God. Which is why last week with the Renewal Church launch team, we knocked on almost 2,000 doors and just... Going to complete strangers, meeting Wiccans, meeting people who practice voodoo, meeting Hindus right here in Belton, Texas. And we told them, asked them, how can we pray for you? We're with this new church called Renewal Church. We meet in North Belton Middle School. We'll be meeting tomorrow morning. How can we just pray for you? And I could just share so many stories of what we encountered last Saturday. And then gathering with the previous service last week, just sensing the presence of God was absolutely breathtaking. Why do we do this? Why do we plant new churches in Bill County? Why, why are we trying to reach the Sega? Amen. Blessing, glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, honor, and power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Man, I love following Matthew. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you, Mark. Um, So, where are we? Where are we with the Sega? I, I tell you, uh, I had a good time with, with Matt. Uh, who, who goes on mission? Who goes on mission? Well, the, the Sega, that was God's idea. 
not ours. Uh, every time we go, every time we go, we see evidence of God already having been there. Let me tell you about number 96. Number 96 is a man. We, we went to a, a little village because we wanted to check out a hotel because where we were staying was in, in, a, in a large city that took about an hour to get to where we wanted to be every day, and it's an arduous journey. So we were looking for hotels a little closer, and, and we found a little hotel in, in a little village, and so we checked it out. And as we were leaving, our interpreter and translator and cohort in the gospel there in, in South Asia asked the gentleman, hey, we're going to this village. Or I think the guy asked where y'all headed and, and told him where we were headed. And he gave him a different route than what we were going to go. So we take this different route, and we're heading down the road. We're out really in the middle of nowhere. There's a lot of fields, but there's one man standing on the side of the road, and he's on a motorcycle, and he has a board on there. And we stops the car. It says, that man is Sega. That man is Sega. Out in the middle of nowhere, that man is Sega. So we stop. We sit out and we have a conversation. And before you know it, this man has invited us to come to his village, one that we had not yet been to, that has the Sega. Number 96. Well, who goes on mission? God goes first and he orchestrates it. Well, who's the focus in our case? The Sega are the the focus. Perhaps there's somebody like this. Uh, I call this lady first foreigner. She is Sega. And she was so excited. We got out of the truck and within 30 seconds, she had run up to me and asked to take a selfie. I was her first American that she had ever seen. I don't know how old she is. I gather around 20 and I had never seen a foreigner and was instantly, I, I can't imagine if it was Justin, what she would have done. But with me, you know, pasty old bald white guy, she came up, I want a selfie. And so, first foreigner, perhaps, perhaps one day she will be a believer. I call this village the S village. I learned a couple of things there. I made a mistake. Uh, we got, uh, there was a crowd gathered. What are you gonna say? I don't know. What am I gonna say? So I start speaking. And very quickly I got too specific because I mentioned how proud I was to be in the first time and I mentioned that I was interested in a particular people group, our particular people group. Well, that kind of caused a little bit of uproar in the village because that particular village has more than just that people group. There's actually three different groups of people there. And so there was some, some discussion going on. And then before you know it, one of the ladies, you can hear that, heard the word Christian. And so they knew, oh, they're just Christians and here they are. And and I'm not sure what's going on. I can tell Mark's getting a little antsy because there's just this discussion going on. And then number 96, who had drawn us to his village, he ran off. Like, oh, no, our guy who brought us here is leaving. What's happening? Well, it turns out he ran to a coconut tree, climbed a coconut tree, got three fresh coconuts, four fresh coconuts. They laid out chairs for us, and Mark goes, this is good. They've sat chairs out for us. They're sitting us down in the village, and before you know it, they've cut open the coconut, and I'm having my very first coconut water ever in life. Uh, here's Matt and Mark and I drinking coconut water in the S village, having just met our people group. And it was just incredible. So we didn't stay there long because we had an agenda, but I asked the question, so when we get to go back, will they remember me? And they, Mark and Matt both wholeheartedly said, no doubt, they will remember. And so we have an inroad. So who, who is the focus for us? And in this moment, what we're talking about today, the Sega, I made another mistake, by the way. 
that day. I got out of the van rather hastily because I was so excited. I'm going to meet the Sega. Here they are. I'm going to meet them. I got out of the, the, the car. And uh, we spent, I don't know, it's about 20 minutes there. And as we're about to return to the car, you do that instinctive t- thing where you kind of feel for your keys. Well, I didn't have my keys the whole week. But I was also feeling then for my wallet and my phone. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I don't have my wallet and my phone. So I rushed to the car, and I'm looking in the car, and I'm looking in the back seat where I was. And my phone and my wallet were not there either. And here I'm starting to panic, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I don't want to accuse these people of taking my phone and my wallet. There's no way. What am I going to do? I'm, we're going to have to figure out the rest of the trip. Mark's going to have to pay for everything. And it was just, I'm like, what's going to happen? And then I just see Matt kind of grinning. Yeah, found your wallet, found your keys. They're in my bag. They were going to let me ride for a while until they saw me panic. Um, so lesson number one, if there's more than one people group, don't single out one because then they get offended. Lesson number two, don't leave your phone and your wallet in the just in the open air in a car, because especially if you're with Matt, because you'll never know what will happen. All right. What is the mission? Perhaps it's like this man, this first Christian. This, uh, this man, this first Christian of Y Village. This is a man, we're going to call him Mr. Pollum. He was the first Christian convert under our influence. We got to visit him. In the Y Village. Mark shares a story. Uh, he asks, give me a story of hope, because he doesn't get to hear the scripture. Give me a story of hope. And Mark shares a story. And as he's sharing, others are walking up. Other Sega are walking up and listening. And in that conversation, one of the men asks, well, why did Jesus have to die? Mark took that softball question and hit a home run with it. Another lady said, I want to believe in Jesus, and I might believe in Jesus, but if it doesn't work, I'm just going to return to my gods. She wasn't quite ready because she only wanted to date Jesus. She wasn't ready to marry him, but still, she's in that process of thinking. What about Jesus? So God is at work. God is at work. Who goes on mission? God goes. What is the focus for our case? Is the Sega. What is the mission? Just as Matthew so boldly shared, the Sega are going to be in heaven too. That is our mission. We were traveling down the road. We made it to another church, and there was another pastor. He's on the right there. And we got to meet with him, and in his village, there's 300 families. And of those 300 families, 15 of them are Sega. So as we were talking about with him and his village and the work there, the old man on the left began to share as he picked up on what was happening. And he's a follower of Jesus as well. And here's one of the most fascinating things that happened on this trip. They began to share the names of villages. And they gave us a list of villages. You can't read them. But they gave us 17 villages where we know now where are the Sega? We know they're in these 17. They also know that in those 17 villages, five of them have believers. That was amazing information. Because now we know we got work to do. We got at least 17 more villages to visit. We got believers to find and encourage. We got to find out if there's churches there. And if there's not churches there, we've got to find pastors for them. 
And if there are churches there and these pastors want to work with us and we pray that they do, we have to train them. We have work to do. The amazing thing is this. The amazing thing is this. When we began this journey, the Sega were a UUPG, an unengaged, unreached people group. That designation has changed. They are no longer a UUPG. They are a UPG because they are now engaged because of the work of First Baptist. Now they are an unreached people group. And we pray for the day and we want for the day that the second U is removed from their name. And they are no longer just an unreached people group, but they are a people group who has taken responsibility of sharing the gospel both among themselves and in the rest of South Asia. That's what we're praying for. That's what we want. In the coming days, we're going to get after that work. In July, we return to South Asia, and we will do a training with Mark's company. And they will be showing us how to enter a village and not make mistakes like I made. They will be showing us how to progress in finding believers and in making believers. They will show us in how to train pastors of churches, and they will show us how to reach the Sega. And in October, we will be returning not only with that training, but we will be advancing the gospel even deeper into the villages in South Asia. I hope that you will pray about going. I hope that you will pray about giving. I hope that you will pray about sending. Tonight at 4.30, I'll actually be having a meeting. If you're interested in learning more about the July trip or the October trip, please come. It'll be up in room 326. That's the room up above the offices. Uh, Come here more at 4.30 tonight. But what I want to say now is this. Our Sega, yes, our Sega is our UPG. But we have other partners around the world that we are working with. We have partners in Taiwan. We have partners in Kenya. We have partners in Moldova. We have partners in Haiti. We have partners in Wisconsin and Seattle. We're taking trips to those locations this year. All of them. And we still need more people to go in every one of these trips. The teams are still forming and there is still time and God is calling. I wholeheartedly believe because these teams are understaffed that there are people that God is calling and these people have said no to God. But the thing is, is God is still calling you. There are people who are still supposed to go who have not said yes, and that may be you. So I ask and encourage you to pray. Is God asking you to go this year? Because there are people who have not said yes that God is asking. So it's time to do that. Money is not and never should be a reason for you not to go. Because if God asks you to go, he will provide that way. That's just a no-doubt or no-brainer been experienced about a million times or more. God doesn't fail you in that regard. So you pray. And if you had interest in January and decided, no, I can't go, I don't have the money, I think maybe you need to pray again because God will provide. If you prayed and said, no, I, I can't really use that vacation time for that, I think you need to ask again. Because what better way to honor our God? 
if you thought, well, maybe I'll go, no, no, I probably shouldn't go because I need to take care of my family. Ooh, that's dangerous ground right there. Let your family take care of your family. If God says go, you go. Yes, some are called to go, some are called to stay, but everyone is called. Some of you are being sent. So let's go. Let's make it happen. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for the love and grace that you give us to live our lives. We thank you for the Sega. We thank you for the work that you've already done there. We thank you so much. We praise you, Lord, for all of that. So, Lord, as we continue on this journey with you, let's pray we'll get out of your way. We'll just be instruments that you freely use. And, Lord, I pray for many, many Sega to come to faith. I pray, Lord, that they will become a strong force for the gospel as they catch the vision of what you can do in their people group and in their nation. And I pray, Lord, that one day the Sega will be not known for the fruit, not known for their uh, uh, textiles industry, not known for anything other than an incredible people group who turned to you and found salvation and now are affecting the rest of South Asia with your gospel. Lord, that would be an incredible testimony, and we give you all honor and praise because, Lord, all of this is for your glory. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm in Acts. That's an amazing, amazing service. Thank you, gentlemen, for those reports. If you have friends who weren't here today, tell them what you heard. This is a watershed day, I think, I believe, in the life of First Baptist Church in Belton. The Holy Spirit's moving in your heart to give your heart and life to Jesus. Will you come? We'll stand in a moment. Gary will lead us in the singing of an invitation hymn. Come and place your hand in mine and say, Pastor, I need Jesus. And a member of our staff will be here to pray with you, to open God's word, to share with you that you might give your life to Christ today. And would you pray about missions? What would God have you to do? Would he have you to go? The answer to that for many of you will be yes. Would he have you to give? The answer for all of us is yes. Would he have you to pray? The answer is yes. There is a part for all of us to play in reaching the Sega and reaching the the people of this world with the good news of Jesus Christ. Let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Will you come as we stand and sing?